Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I am co-hosting the show with Glenn Carter, and you might have heard this name before because he was actually on the podcast before in episode 83, where we talked about real estate investing using Airbnb. And Glenn is now a marketing specialist working for Hostfully, and that's why I get to co-host this show with him. So Glenn, how's it going? Going good, Jasper. Thanks for uh, having me back in uh, in my new role with uh, Hostfully. Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I know you have a lot of uh, expertise in the uh, sharing economy and also Airbnb. So I'm definitely excited to get your thoughts on all the different news items that have gone out in this week. And there's been quite a few actually. Um, but where where are you located? I'm in uh, Montreal. You're in Montreal. Ah, you're Canadian. Yes, sir. It's it's just starting to warm up, so uh, I'm I'm much happier than I was two months ago. Ah, okay, I see. Yeah, I'm in uh, Holland right now. It's a uh, it's a little chilly still, but it's also uh, it's getting a lot better. I'm a little shaky because I took my little cousins to a roller coaster park. Uh, it opened at ten in the morning. We were there at nine forty five. It closed at six. We left at five to six, and it was really really quiet. So which meant that we were able to take so many rides yeah we we didn't even have to get up there was so few people that we could just sit and take another ride so we did like six seven rides in a row and oh my god it was uh it was pretty crazy your cousins must have been in heaven yeah i mean they you know they were uh they were all saying that they loved it and uh i think they were trying to uh to be strong and not show that they were Maybe getting a little shaky too, but yeah, I'm definitely uh, a little shaken up. I feel like my kidney is probably on the right side of my body. Uh, yeah, maybe my stomach is somewhere down below. We'll try but, to keep low profile during the podcast today. Absolutely, but uh, there's a lot of cool stuff, uh, interesting stuff to talk about. So let's start with an article that came out in the New York Times. And I think the New York Times has gotten hold of some documentation about how the hotel industry has been planning to combat Airbnb. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a really interesting article because it's sort of an inside take on, uh, you know, the one of the biggest uh, hotel lobbying uh, organizations uh, in the world. It's for, for people who, who aren't aware, it's the American Hotel and Lodging Association. It's an internal document from uh, last year, and it sort of lays out the 
sort of the plans for combating home sharing and Airbnb and their action plan and specifically what they want to do. They, they wanted to, they're going to launch a new ad campaign, which they call uh, My Neighborhood. That's it's sort of going to tap into to people's uh, anxieties about, you know, the negative impact of short-term rentals and that it's just, you know, painting short-term rentals as as only owned by by landlords and commercial operators and it's not really for the middle class it's it's uh, just the rich getting richer and it's really interesting just to to hear their 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 take on it and you know important to keep in mind that this is a lobbying group that provides millions of dollars a year uh, lobbying against platforms uh, uh, like Airbnb and you know just the argument that you know it's not good for the middle class is is completely ridiculous to me because when you look at the actual numbers it's you know an overwhelming majority are single property owners on Airbnb um, so the numbers don't back it up and and generally speaking the sharing economy is great for the middle class because it allows allows people to make money from things that they already own so uh, I don't know what were your thoughts uh, Jasper. No, I totally agree. I mean, I, I remember interviewing a, a host pretty early on, I think episode 45 or something, who was you know, pretty close to being in tears on, on the podcast, actually, as he was talking about how he the bank had already sent him a foreclosure notice on his home. And, uh, you know, as sort of a last minute, uh, last resort measure, he tried Airbnb and it, it saved his home, you know. And I, I think Airbnb has had a very big impact on a lot of people's lives, uh, mine included. And yeah, of course, of course, there are, you know, organizations that that have, you know, lots of listings who uh, who basically just use Airbnb as another channel to get more bookings for their properties but i agree i mean the majority of hosts you know are have one listing and there's also a lot of people who are renting out a spare room on airbnb and for those people it's it's very uh it's a very empowering thing as well yeah absolutely and it's not i mean it's it's not a a playground for or creating slum lords i mean this is ridiculous it's you know like like you mentioned the the vacation rental uh, companies that already have vacation rentals are just simply using Airbnb as another marketing tool. They're not, you know, it's it's not creating these slumlords that that the AHLA is is uh, articulating in this in this document. So it'll be interesting to see once they actually release the campaign. Now that it's been released to the New York Times, and they're gonna, I'm sure they're gonna get some some pushback on this because uh, the argument to me simply doesn't add up. And um, I guess time will tell. Yeah, and you know, last year there was two big setbacks kind of for, for Airbnb, right? There was the uh, Federal Trade Commission that targeted uh, Airbnb. Free senators uh, asked for an investigation into uh, how companies like Airbnb affect soaring housing costs. And then also in New York, the famous bill was signed imposing steep fines on Airbnb hosts who break local housing rules. And then the the article says that this documentation that they obtained kind of proves that the hotel industry was kind of like aiming for these measures, right? They're taking credit for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, and the, the funny thing to me is this whole soaring housing costs argument. I, I've spoken to, you know, hundreds of Airbnb hosts, um, Jasper, and you, you have too. And, uh, you know, one of their best tools against soaring housing costs is a platform like Airbnb that helps them uh, minimize those extra costs. I mean, in, uh, in Canada, we have, you know, huge housing bubbles brewing in, in Toronto and Vancouver. And, you know, families just simply can't afford to live in these cities. And with Airbnb, that gives them an extra little tool that, you know, what if they wanted to earn a couple extra hundred bucks a month uh, to help offset those expensive costs, they they can and they are. And so I think 
I think that whole, you know, Airbnb causing, causing housing markets to increase, uh, I think is a flawed one. It's sort of, I think, you know, we need to consider what's coming first. Is it the expensive housing market or is it Airbnb? No, I, I think so too. I mean, uh, house prices were soaring in in the early 21st century as well when Airbnb didn't even exist. I mean, house prices have always been going up and in the big cities as more people migrate to, to the big cities, I think. And it's, I mean, I've yet to find a scientific study that actually prove that there's a causal uh, relationship between, you know, the housing prices going up and, and Airbnb. I think it's one of those things where people, they confuse correlation with causation. And so they see two things that exist at the same time. Uh, I think uh, I remember learning about this uh, correlation when I was studying a long time ago. And one of the examples that uh, the teacher used was he said, you know, just because there's cactuses and kangaroos in Australia doesn't mean that the kangaroos are there because of the cactuses. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty one. I love that. Awesome. Let's uh, let's move on to uh, a different article because it was actually interesting to see these both articles come out at the same time because there was another article on Skift uh, that talks about how corporate travel still doesn't get home sharing despite business traveler use. So Airbnb has really tried to learn more uh, business travelers to appeal more to business travelers, I should say, you know, by having uh, certain hosts. You know, have certain amenities like a self-check-in option, a laptop-friendly workspace, and and a few other things. And, uh, and you know, in order to get that little that little suitcase icon on your Airbnb listing, you know, you have to have all these things. But this article argues that this hasn't really attracted that many business travelers yet. What do you think? Yeah, I think. I think the title's a bit misleading. I mean, when you read it, it uh, you know, it's a it's a great survey, Global Business Travel Association. Um, essentially, the headline is that only seventeen uh, percent of travel policies allow business travelers to stay in home sharing properties. Now, that's interesting in and of itself, but there's two major things here. Uh, one is that it doesn't define what a home sharing property is, and secondly, it doesn't account for business travelers who stay in home sharing properties despite their company not having. Uh, home sharing policy. So I remember reading an article earlier this year that was something like 40% of business travelers have used some form of home sharing. Um, so I think there's a bit of a disconnect, you know, even if corporate policies haven't yet caught up to home sharing, business travelers are certainly using them and will increasingly do so in the future. Yeah. And I have no idea what these policies look like. I've never really uh, traveled uh, for corporation. But I mean, what does it say? You're only you're only allowed to stay in a hotel or something? Yeah, well, I think uh, from my understanding is that most corporate travel policies will tell you, uh, you know, what accommodations are acceptable. So whether you're staying in a private accommodation, which means you're staying with friends and family, there's some some places offer a reimbursement for that, or uh, some corporate policies will only allow you to stay in certain chains, or they outline where you can stay, where where's an acceptable place to stay because the business travelers will get reimbursed for their costs. So uh, more and more, these policies are, are allowing for home sharing sites like Airbnb and VRBO and corporate short-term rentals. So I think I think it's just a matter that these travel policies haven't caught up yet. I mean, um, I don't think businesses out, are out there saying, no, you can't stay in these places because, you know, they can be a lot better for, for their business travelers in terms of flexibility and cost uh, and all that. So I think it's just a matter of, of they, they haven't caught up yet. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, these policies were probably written like 10 years ago. Uh, you know, and I mean, it doesn't really make sense because first of all, the fact that Airbnb exists gives you more flexibility of where you can stay. So you could be staying closer to where you actually need to be. Uh, for example, my neighborhood in Amsterdam, there are no hotels. So, you know, if you need to be in my neighborhood, then you know, Airbnb is pretty much the only option. And secondly, Airbnb is typically cheaper than a hotel, right? So why wouldn't companies want to save money? Yeah, exactly. And I think I think actually the opposite might be true, at least with younger companies and smaller companies. I know uh, I've interacted with a lot of them and they they would prefer, and in their policy, they state this, that they would prefer their business travelers use Airbnb or a home sharing alternative than, than to the hotel, uh, simply because it's more flexible um, and it's uh, it's more cost effective. Now, that makes a little sense to me. So I agree with you. There's probably more business travelers that are actually staying at Airbnb and other home sharing platforms simply because, like you said, uh, not all business travelers, they will, you know, maybe they're not even aware of the policies. I mean, I remember when I was working for a corporation, you know, I, I didn't even know what the business policy, traveler policy was, to be honest. <laughs> and so yeah. a lot of them might be doing it anyway. And I, I, it's hard to imagine that you go on a trip for work and then you come back and you, you hand in the receipt and then the HR person says, oh, hold on a second, you stayed in an Airbnb. Now you have to pay for for yourself. We're not going to reimburse you. I mean, I'd be shocked if that actually happens. Yeah, exactly. And usually there's, uh, usually there's stipulations about cost, what you can and can't spend. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a huge push for corporate policies to ex- exclude on purpose, you know, home sharing properties. Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy paste those messages every time I had a new guest. But then I learned about Aviva IQ, and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's talk about Miami. So a while ago, there was a news article that I think we discussed it on the podcast as well, where the city of Miami was suing Airbnb host who spoke at, I can't remember exactly what it was. They spoke at some sort of, uh, was it a lawsuit or? Yeah, it was a, it was a uh, Miami City Commission meeting where the city was debating, I think was a zoning ordinance that would make um, short-term rentals uh, de facto illegal. Right. And now Airbnb is suing the city of Miami for suing the Airbnb host. Yeah, it's and it's interesting the the lawsuit because you know like like you mentioned the so these hosts went to this city commission where you're supposed to be able to debate and discuss and part of going to the city commission is giving your name and address and now the city of Miami is using those names and address to send fines to these people so as you mentioned you asked for there there's a First Amendment rights suit against the city and 
you know what? I just shake my head at this stuff. I don't, I don't know. This is terrible PR. I mean, why these, these Airbnb hosts, whether your city agrees with it or not, came to the commission to have a discussion about, you know, the things that they believe are the benefits of home sharing platforms. And then you turn around and, and, and then uh, slap, you know, hefty fines on them. I think, I don't think this is going to happen to these, but these hosts, but the fines range up to $20,000 in, in Miami. So it's just really bad PR on, on Miami's uh, point, but Hey, what, what do I know? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of reminds me of, uh, I was watching what's it called? Uh, this Netflix series, Pablo Escobar was oh, called the Narcos. Yeah. And reminds me of, uh, you know, how the, they had, uh, these hearings and they had like people trying to, you know, uh, run for president and stuff. And then, you know, Escobar would, you know, murder them basically. <laughs> it's a bit more extreme, but, but, you know, in essence, it's like, oh yeah, if you, uh, if you, if you want to be part of democracy, then, uh, we're going to punish you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see the comparison, but for the record, we're definitely not comparing the the municipal government to the the narcos. In the <laughs> uh, I guess Just it's, it's a, a slightly different level. <laughs> yeah, well, it. I mean, the the interesting thing is that Miami it, it's it's a it's a decent market. There's 2,300 Airbnb listings there, um, and you know. Airbnb has shown that they can work with uh, municipal governments and they have, a, you know, just in the past year, they've signed over, I think it's 250 governmental partnerships. So, I mean, you know, Airbnb is definitely taking a more cooperative stance. Uh, you know, you can always compare them to, to what Uber is doing and their sort of scorched earth policy when it comes to operating in, in cities illegally. But Airbnb has definitely shown a, a willingness to, to talk and cooperate. So, the fact that Miami did this really confuses me. And I think uh, Airbnb is absolutely right to to fire back with these five hosts on a First Amendment challenge. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You know, I think it's always good to see Airbnb really standing behind their hosts um, and supporting them. So I, I totally support this thing. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, yeah, there's another article. It's also in Skift. Skift is publishing a lot of articles on Airbnb. Like it's almost every week we talk about Skift. Um, there's an article about how regulation is slowing growth in some of Airbnb's most popular markets, and it's 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 pretty interesting because it says that listings in Airbnb's seven largest markets grew forty percent year on year, and nights booked grew sixty percent year over year from December. 2016 to February 2017, but then since February 2017, the growth has has uh, has really decelerated, and that's because of a lot of the the regulatory action in some of Airbnb's top markets. And you know, my my market Amsterdam is uh, is part of that. Uh, I think London and Paris as well have seen more regulatory action. Uh, in Amsterdam, you're only allowed to do, to rent out 60 days. In London, I think it's 90, and in Paris, 120. And it's really only in 2017 that these rules are starting to get enforced uh, by Airbnb itself, actually. And so I can I can totally see how that would decrease the uh, the growth in those markets. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting ar- article because you know this is flowing from the the Miami ban itself, and you know the the challenges that you know not just Airbnb but you know sharing economy or digital platforms, whatever you want to call them, are having globally, because there's really no frame or reference for this new form of, you know, economic consumption. And uh, yeah, like you mentioned, this was a 
a report from the Swiss bank UBS um, that, that said that, you know, growth is, is slowing, but, you know, the caveat there is it's still growth and, you know, Airbnb has been growing massively since its inception, basically. And these, these regulations may be having uh, an impact in certain markets. And, you know, you mentioned uh, New York and Barcelona, where really it's, it's gone into the negative. I think I think it declined 10% year over year um, in February. But there's exceptions, though, when you look at the data for other cities uh, where Airbnb is dealing with, you know, regulatory issues, um, you know, like San Francisco, Berlin, the, the UBS data suggests that the, you know, the impact of tougher short term rental regulations didn't really have a, a large impact. Now, it'll be it'll be much more interesting to see, you know, this time next year, um, a very similar study, uh, sort of a longer term study, because we're really only at the, the you know, the first inning of uh, this whole regulatory battle. Um, you know, Uber went through it and is still going through it, but Airbnb is really just starting to go through it. But I think the bottom line is that, you know, the report, I read the report, it concluded that Airbnb is still a threat to the hotel industry, uh, which I agree with. But, you know, maybe this decline in growth speaks to, you know, Airbnb's uh, expansion uh, into other hospitality niches over the past year. We've, you know, the tours, all that kind of stuff. So maybe, maybe there's something to this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, these are just a few markets, right? Even, even though they're major markets, I think the bigger picture is still that, that Airbnb is growing quite rapidly. But also, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think one of the reasons that Airbnb is, is really pushing to try and make some more revenue in, you know, non-home sharing related activities, such as the experiences and the Airbnb trips, I think that that's, uh, you know, the one reason that they're doing that is because, you know, they're probably aware that, you know, some of these regulations are going to hurt growth in certain markets. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely I think you're absolutely right. I think that it's it's part of that and it's the whole IPO discussion. But I think that sort of hits on the whole regulatory issue. Like, can we can we expand into other other types of, of travel niches to, to sort of gain a foothold on the hospitality industry in general, as opposed to simply just, you know, uh, rooms and houses. So what, what do you think about that, by the way? Because, you know, there's I've spoken to a lot of people about whether Airbnb is going to be able to actually, you know, what they aim for, I think it's, it's uh, making less than 50% of their revenue from home sharing in the future. Do you think they'll be able to do that? Um, you know, you know what? Anything's possible with Airbnb. Um, I think it's a really hard pivot to make, especially with all these regulatory battles going on, because it makes their their primary business model um, a lot more susceptible to to the whims of governments. And I don't necessarily think that's a comfortable place to be in if you're uh, if you're you know the Airbnb co-founders or the early investors. Um, that would that would make me nervous. So I think that this is this pivot that you mentioned, I think is is helpful for them, even though I know they've they've got a lot of pushback against it. But, you know, with anything, it's, uh, you know, give it a couple, you know, a year and, and, and see how they do. And I think I think it's going to be positive. Awesome. Well, it'll be exciting to see how things move forward for sure. All right. I think that's was about it for this week's news. Uh, of course, if you want to stay updated on the news items, uh, I post them in a Facebook group, Airbnb News, and I also put them in my newsletter that I send out every Monday that you can sign up for at getpaidforyourpad.com. And one more quick announcement before we go is I've recorded uh, the audio book of Get Paid For Your Pad. 
Uh, I don't know why I didn't think of that in the in the before, but you know, there's a platform called Audible that I actually use it a lot. Do you do you use Audible? Yes, I'm a subscriber. I absolutely love it. I think it's uh, it's a fantastic uh, tool for when you you know you're you're too busy to to sit down and read a physical book. You can just turn it on and listen to like you would podcasts. It's fantastic. I know. Yeah, I think so too. I've since I discovered Audible, I haven't really been reading that many books. A lot of the times I just download the audiobook and I, you know, I put it on before I go to sleep. I listen for half an hour, I fall asleep and then, you know, I do the, I do the same thing the next night and a few weeks later I finish the audiobook or, or when I go on a plane, you know, you just put it on it or while I'm at the gym. It's, it's so easy to listen to audiobooks. And so I was thinking, you know, I should have get paid for your path on Audible. Um, so I did the whole recording together with Uzefa. And uh, we're almost done with editing, so I think it'll be maybe a week or two weeks from now that uh, the book should be available for for those who don't like reading. They'll be able to download the audiobook. All right, that's it for now. Unless you have anything else, Glenn. No, that's. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground. Thanks for having me on, Jasper. Awesome. It was a pleasure to uh, co-host the show with you, and of course, you'll be back in a, in a few weeks. And for the listeners out there, thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Monday. Bye for now. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.